Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Slash Film Daily. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Zaretta. Joining me today is Slash Film Senior Writer Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? So we are here at the airport. We're stuck in Las Vegas. We can't leave. Um, we can't the flight's ta- been delayed. Yeah, the flight's been delayed. Um, but we did have a bunch more to talk about from CinemaCon. We've been covering CinemaCon on this podcast, as you probably know. This is the annual convention of movie theater owners they come to vegas and the stu- big studios come and showcase their latest uh you know their next year of films and the one we're talking about today is we're going to talk about lionsgate which has uh three films that they kind of profiled and we're also going to talk about two films that we actually saw in full here uh wild rose and long shot and we're also going to talk about david copperfield because we saw that um on one of our nights off here in vegas so let's start things out first with Lionsgate. Okay. So I guess uh, let, let, let's start with what everybody's probably most anticipating here, and that's John Wick 3 Parabellum. Yes. And this is uh, from the same director, Chad, and uh, he came on stage, and actually, this is something I didn't know. Did you know what he said? He said he started, or like he uh, was originally a stunt double for Keanu on their original Matrix. Yes, yeah, that's like one of the big selling points yeah. of those guys. Chad Stahelski is his last name, and he uh, has been an action choreographer yeah. for a long time. He sort of transitioned from being a stunt guy to an action choreographer to a director, and he's been sort of uh, leading the John Wick franchise. So he's back with Chapter 3 now. See, I knew that they were involved with the Wachowskis in a stunt capacity, but I didn't know that he was Keanu's yeah, stunt yeah. double. That, that, that specific fact. Anyways, um... Halle Berry joined them on stage and uh, talked about how... See, we are in an airport, yes. so we're going to get announcements. <laughs> we apologize in advance. But um, she trained for five months for this part and claims it's one of the hardest things that she's had to do in her yeah. entire career. So uh, they showed a clip from the movie. What should we say about the clip? Uh, it wasn't... Yeah, it was just a clip, and it was basically just... Uh, it, it seemed to take place in a castle on the beach, and... Uh, John Wick and Halle Berry's character basically just uh, go through like 
the lower floors of this castle just wrecking people with guns. <laughs> like, the, the, yeah. you know, it's just, it's like a video game. There's just bad guys popping up left and right, and they're just blowing them yeah. away. Nameless henchmen, yeah. all with, like, uh, dress on their head. I don't yeah, know how yeah. you describe that. Yeah. Um, headdress. And they're, they're taking them out. And I think the, the new thing here is you have the stylistic, uh, hard-hitting John Wick action that we're used to, but now you have... Uh, in addition to John Wick, you have a female badass, yeah. uh, you know, taking taking people out. But in addition to that, there's her dogs are in the mix. So she has two dogs who are kind of following her command and uh, executing these vicious uh, like takedowns. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, if you can imagine what a John Wick fight would look like with dogs, that's it. Yeah, and there's one moment where I think the dogs are wearing like bulletproof vests or something, and Halle Berry, like before the the fight, the bloodbath really begins, she sort of slips an extra gun under the vest of one of the dogs. I think as like a way for her to uh, to always have that as a like backup ammo, basically. Yeah. Um, so these dogs are are really like integral to the action. There's one moment in particular where she's sort of being held up against. A wall and looks up and notices that on the second story above her, there's a, a gunman up there. Yeah, and she yells. She's engaging to, in some uh, hand-to-hand combat. Yeah, and she point. yells to one of her dogs, and the dog like jumps up off of her, I think, off of her back, maybe, off her, or, or onto the wall and off of the wall up. Like I think yeah, it's probably it's like, like 10, 15 feet. The dog up. is like parkouring basically yeah. off of. Yeah, it was it was pretty incredible, and he like takes out the gunman up top. So. Um, yeah, these dogs look... I mean, that's that's definitely a, a... Obviously, the John Wick movies are about dogs, but these dogs are actually getting in on the actual action this time. And I think you're right. That's the cool thing about the footage that we saw is that Halle Berry looks like she's holding her own. She's not just, like, off in the corner shooting yeah. one or two people. She's doing the moves just like Keanu is the whole time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it seems obvious now in retrospect, oh, why not have some dogs in on this action? Especially, you know, this is such a dog-centric story from yeah. the beginning. But uh, it, it, it's so unexpected seeing this, and it's so cool. And maybe uh, that's a maybe that's a bonding thing, a character thing between yeah. his character and hers, because we know that he's been like excommunicated at the end of the second movie. So maybe that's maybe their shared love of pets is the reason that they uh, that she decides to help him out or something like that. I know there were some lines in the beginning of the clip that we saw that like um, I think he said we aren't going to go in like the old days and she says nothing's ever a conversation with you John <laughs> yeah so yeah, yeah. <laughs> are we just gonna carry on with these announcements I don't know how to I, I think we just gotta par- barrel through it yeah okay but uh, next up was they, they had the uh, Andrew and John Irwin these are the guys that produced I can only imagine, which is not even a film I think I've heard of. Yeah, it's a faith-based movie that's based on a really popular Christian song by a band called Mercy Me that is also called I Can Only Imagine. And that movie made a lot of, it made a big splash in like the faith-based community last year. Yeah, and they basically said that no one, they, they took it to a lot of studios and no one was willing to go with it except for Lionsgate saw the potential. And it made a lot of money, so they actually signed a deal with Lionsgate to create a new uh, brand or label under yeah. the Lionsgate label called Kingdom, and they're going to—they're developing stories with uplifting, hope-based messages. Um, you, you know, I feel a little weird about this because that all sounds nice, and it's—it sounds like you know these are. Christian people that trying to get their message out there and then you hear the second part of their sales pitch of like 
for you exhibitors, we're going to go out there to the to the churches around the nation. We're going to have them buy. Uh, we're going to talk them into getting group yeah, bus buys, loads of people to buy tickets to your movies or to come out to your theaters and stuff like that. Yeah, and it feels very uh, there's money motivation here, not. Uh, well, anyways, they, they were there promoting a new movie, which we didn't see anything of, mm-hmm. called I Still Believe. When I saw this on the docket, I was like, is this an X-Files movie? I don't know. <laughs> uh, but no, I guess I Still Believe is about another Christian singer, Jeremy Camp. Yes, and K.J. Appa, who stars on uh, the show Riverdale, is playing Jeremy Camp, and Gary Sinise, I guess, is playing maybe his, Camp, father. his father. Yeah, yeah. yeah and uh, this is, like, this guy's one... A grant, he's been Grammy nominated. He, I think he, they said something like a couple dozen number one singles or something. Something insane. Um, totally but, off my radar. Yeah, I don't, and, and they didn't show us any footage, so yeah. there's not really much for us to talk about other than, it, you know, it's yeah. interesting. It's, it's worth noting, I think, that Lionsgate is getting into, the, is really embracing these faith-based movies and, st- yeah. you know, so much so they're starting this new label. Yeah, so you're going to probably see a lot more of this coming up. If you watched our video tour... Of all the posters and standees on the sh- uh, on in the hallways at CinemaCon, I'll link it in the show notes. Uh, we saw a couple faith-based, or it seemed like they were faith-based movies, just from the appearance of them. Yeah, uh, it seems like they those kind of things are making some good uh, small money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A mid what I guess people would used to call the mid range that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Um, okay, let's talk about another film that everybody's excited about. This is, I think, your most anticipated movie. Of 2019. Um, Yes. Um, I love Ryan Johnson. So his new movie is called Knives Out. It is a murder mystery that is inspired by Agatha Christie novels. Uh, He said he's been working on the script for about 10 years. He's been a diehard fan of Agatha Christie, you know, since he was a teenager. And he this is his love letter to that style of like whodunit storytelling. Um, And I I think he said he's been working on this for like 10 years or something insane. Mm -hmm. Was that something that was revealed before? Okay, I didn't know that. Um, And... You know, they, they were saying that this is a movie about a family gathering that turns bloody quickly. Yes. And we learned that this is basically around everybody's gathering for their, like, the, the father's birthday in this big mansion. And uh, by the end of that birthday, he ends up being dead, right? I think so, yes. Yeah. And Something... We, uh, yeah, something deadly has happened, and uh, I think Daniel Craig and Lakeith Stanfield play cops who come to sort of investigate the death, and they end up asking. We saw like uh, basically a trailer for this movie, yeah. and uh, in the trailer, Daniel Craig has like a southern accent, which is interesting for him. It's a little bit of a throwback to Logan Lucky, but maybe not quite as harsh in terms of the uh, yeah. the sound as that. But um, yeah, they're cops. They ask if the family can stay. Uh, inside yeah, the, the this estate. This is basically them questioning them the day after, it looks like. It seems like it, yeah. And it, it seems like and all the family members are kind of bickering. And mm-hmm. It's, uh, I want to say, a typical family gathering where, you know, you have a bunch of people that, that love each other but don't get along. Yeah, right? yeah. And, and they basically ask everybody to stay, I guess, confined to that estate until the investigation is complete. It's very, like, Hercule like Agatha Christie style classic kind of uh, setup and Michael Shannon is one of the characters he's like furious that they the cops would even suggest that a family member could do something like this um, Chris Evans is uh, one of the the family members as well and he seems to really relish in telling all of his family members to eat shit like <laughs> over and over again in the trailer yeah and this whole scene that's kind of part, the main part of the trailer it's kind of intercut with 
these montage of other shots that uh, of stuff from the film that is set to live live and let die yes. the song and you you definitely see the style you see Ryan's signature humor throughout this mm-hmm. um, and it, it seemed very enjoyable it, it it seemed more you know I guess Brothers Bloom than anything else I think of his filmography to me. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. It, you know, probably similar in scope. It's yeah. not like a, a, a globe-trotting movie in any way. It seems very confined, and and that's where like all of the the pressure boils is like the the confines of the situation. Um, you know, the, everything. Daniel Craig and the and Lakeith Stanfield are just turning up the heat and watching everything sort of spill over. Yeah, and the la- latter part of the trailer is just basically them listing off the insane ensemble cast and showing you know two seconds of footage of everybody and it takes like 30 40 seconds (laughs) to get through that long list of names yeah i mean the sets look amazing there's like i mean the movie is called knives out and there jamie lee curtis is uh sitting in this really like elegantly designed area with like lots of warm wood colors and stuff and there are these knives that are sort of like encircling her head almost like the the john wick chapter two poster where all his head is being surrounded by all these guns it's like that but with knives on a wall it's like artwork um so i wonder if those are those uh if that's just decorative or if that's like a uh, hmm. a chekhov's gun sort of scenario where those knives are actually going to come into play and in, at some point in the story but um yeah i'm super excited about this what did you think about it like generally speaking I, it, it looked uh it looks good i i don't think it's um it's definitely not my number one most anticipated of the year i mean i have Avengers, which is coming up, and also Star Wars, which uh, it just they it owns my heart. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm a Brian Johnson fan since break, and I'm a die. I, you know, I'll be there opening day or the press screening or yeah. whatever. And n- nothing in this looked bad. Everything looked good. So I mean, I have nothing. Yeah. More to contribute other than it looks. If you like what Ryan Johnson does, this looks like more of that. Yes. And it was interesting, actually. He did mention. Uh, at the beginning of the presentation, he said something like, before I get... Oh, I wrote it down here. He said something like, before I get back to franchising a galaxy far, far away, which I, I think is interesting because there's always those rumors that you know Disney's not doing his trilogy right. of Star Wars films. But it's, it sounds like he is taking moments to mention that just so people know that it still yes. works. Yes, yes. Okay, uh, we saw a couple films here at the at the convention. Let's start with uh, Wild Rose. This is a film that premiered at the uh, Toronto International Film Festival last year. Yes, last year, and this is now being distributed by. I don't even remember. I don't have it in front of me. But it comes out on June fourteenth. June fourteenth. Okay, that's all you need to know. You don't need to know. <laughs> it was shot in the UK, and this is. Um, this is about a musician from Glasgow who dreams of becoming a Nashville star. So it's it's a movie about country music, which I kind of hate country music. Yeah, me too. We were having this conversation before we even saw the movie that neither of us are fans of country music. So I was kind of dreading this, even though it, this had a lot of buzz to it from mm-hmm. the film festival scene. And I'll be quite honest with you. A, I think like forty five minutes in, I was like, it's totally not like I was like, this is fine, like, but it wasn't. It's not your thing. Not my thing. And the latter half of this movie won me over so hard, and the reasons why I like this movie 
for the most part, are how that back half of the movie is handled and where the story goes. And I, I don't want to ruin this story for anybody else to discover. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, I'm not going to get into those kind of things. Um, what did you think? I ended up really, really liking it. I was also dreading the country music aspects of it. But for me, it's sort of country. It's a little bit more country than like uh, uh, Bradley Cooper's character in A Star is Born or something. But it's not like full twang country. So, yeah. so I, I didn't. I found myself very frightened of what I was going to think about this movie going in. But I ended up kind of really liking the music, like thinking that it wasn't. Um, it didn't cross the line into being like too twangy for my taste. So I appreciated that. And then the really, I mean, the, the big thing to talk about here is Jessie Buckley and she's the lead of the oh, movie. Fantastic. Uh, she plays Rose, who is this yeah Scottish character who is obsessed with American country music and thinks that she, uh, you know, can make it big in Nashville. And, and the movie is very like um, aspirational and it, it reminded me a little bit of Sing Street in the way that it's it's about a musician with a dream and it's it's yeah. you know full of big big ideas and big hearted you know kind of um, goals and and all of that stuff and the, See, the dream... and that's the thing that's that's the reason why I went and saw this because I'm sold by these kind of films yeah. where are about dreamers who want to leave their small town to mm-hmm. become something and create something I mean that's definitely something that describes me and I'm sure describes you in some ways. Um, but like the first half of this movie presents her as kind of like this perpetual fuck up that is irresponsible and oftentimes creating her own problems that come to bite her on the ass right. like minutes later. Yeah. And that I don't know, I was almost kind of annoyed at the character. See, for a now while. you're getting a glimpse into why I didn't really like the Florida project a couple years ago, because I felt that the same way you're talking about this protagonist is how I felt about that character, but I didn't uh, I didn't get those vibes. I mean, I, yes, what you're saying is, like, objectively true. She certainly, like, screws up things for herself, yeah. but I didn't get the same attitude and, and um, I don't know, that same sense that sort of bothered me so much in the Florida Project, but uh, that I can see that being a barrier for some people, but I think the movie sort of pulls out of that pretty quickly, oh, I think. But by the end, I think... I can't imagine people not liking this movie. Yeah, it, it, it's just—it's a little formulaic, but it's so good. Like the the it's execution. But is so I don't good. think that ending. Well, not, I don't know. I want to get into endings. I, I just feel like where it ends up going is not where you expect it to be. Yeah, yeah. I think that's for sure. I don't think like if you pulled all those people not in, I don't think one percent of them would have guessed exactly where right, right, where right. it ends up. Um, which. But the specificity of it is yeah. what really makes it stand out. You know, you've seen stories like this before. You've seen the skeleton, but the the uh, the details yeah. are different here, and that's where I think this movie has a chance to shine. Along with the the really great performances by both Jesse Buckley, who you know sings and and does all of the the heavy lifting of the drama in the movie, and also um, Julie Walters. Yeah, Julie Walters, who plays her mom, um, and they have like a really interesting dynamic, and and there's uh, there's a lot to to chew on with their relationship. Yeah. So the next film I want to talk about we saw at the convention in full is from Lionsgate. It's Long Shot. This is the movie that was originally called Farsky. We had this argument on our uh, most anticipated list. I think I, I I think I was the one pulling for this film to be on the list the most, and uh, Chris like was not having any of it. So uh, with that in mind, did it deserve to be on your anticipated list? What did you think about it? I think it did. I think this movie, uh, first of all, this movie is directed by Jonathan Levine, who did The Wackness, and then he's teamed up with uh, Rogan and Goldberg on a bunch of stuff, 
including 5050. 50, yeah. What's the Christmas movie? Um, uh, God, I cannot remember the name of that movie for the life of me right now. But it it was uh, with Joseph Gordon-Levitt and <laughs> what yeah, the hell is the name of that movie? The Night Before. The Night Before, yes, of course. Yeah, so that's what – and he also did Snatch and Warm Bodies. He's done a bunch of stuff. I, I, I fell in love with uh, the Wackness when I was at Sundance and I've been following his career ever since. And uh, I like what he's doing here with Rogan and Goldberg. Uh, Rogan stars in this as Fred Flarsky, who is kind of, you know, I guess kind of a role that Rogan plays a lot of the time. It's kind of like this. Like a schlubby, yeah. sort of like a, a loudmouth kind of guy, I guess. Yeah. And um, he somehow, like, he gets fired from, or he quits his job. Fired, quits, something. Something happens. He's a journalist. He writes for like some independent uh, Brooklyn publication, and he comes. Uh, he crosses paths with Charlotte Field, who is played by Charlie's Theron, and she is the secretary of, of state. State, yeah. yeah. And for, and she's going to be running for president. And one of the things that she lacks is kind of in her comedy range, so they want to hire her, someone to help punch out. Her speeches, scripts, yeah, yeah, to to get her uh, some to get her approval ratings higher in the humor category. Yeah, so th- they kind of cross paths. They knew each other as kids. Uh, she babysat him. Mm-hmm. They were neighbors, and he had a crush on her. And this is a full blown romantic comedy, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it, it is kind of formulaic, I guess, in in ways. This also stars um, Shay Jackson Jr., who I loved in. Uh, uh, Ingrid Goes West yes. a few years ago at Sundance. And um, this movie is hilarious. There's so many funny jokes. I was constantly laughing. If I have any complaint, it's two hours and five minutes long. And for a romantic comedy, I feel like it's maybe 20 minutes too long. Yeah, yeah. I, I think feel so, like, too. But it won the audience award at South by? South by? Yeah, South by. So I, like, people are loving it. It's yeah. Kinda, what did you think? It's easy to see why people love it because it's very funny and, and it's like sweet too. It's it's like the romance element is really believable even though, you know, Charlize Theron is like one of the most gorgeous people on the world, or, you know, on the face of the planet and Seth yeah. Rogen certainly is not. They, they uh, <laughs> you know. The, somehow you believe that. Yeah, their relationship actually works really well and they play well off each other. It almost like this movie seems to be like almost like a, a commentary on Charlize Theron's career a little bit like uh, you know people might not think that she's super funny so she's yeah. starring in this this movie with Seth Rogen to sort of like increase the public's uh, appreciation of what she can do comedically and I think she really leans in and, and shows her comedic chops in this movie um, and uh, yeah I, I came away really liking it I think it's like a little um, vulgar and like a little uh you know, it maybe crosses a couple of decency lines here and yeah. there, but like you kind of expect that from every Seth Rogen comedy. Well, well, that's that's also yeah, that's one of my problems. I feel like with the Rogen Goldberg stuff, the produced stuff, is it feels like they always try to cram drugs and something like over the top vulgarity yeah. into the stuff. Yeah, and sometimes that works, and sometimes it doesn't. In this movie, I don't think those aspects of it help the movie much. Yeah. The, and, um, and like one particularly uh, gross act is like a very pivotal thing yeah. late in the movie, and it's like, man, this is this is a strange choice for like a major studio comedy to hinge on this moment in in such a big way. But um, I mean, but, I guess there's comedies in the '90s that are 
glittered classic and iconic they have the same kind of moments yes so. yes yes but um and those are from people that uh now won oscars right this year so you never know um okay the other thing I want to say about this. Sorry, guys, about all these <laughs> guys. We got to get to D five. No, yeah. no, we're we're good. <laughs> the um, I was kind of surprised at the political content of this movie. Not that it takes any like sides or anything like that. It's not like oh, I mean, overly... I, I think it certainly does. Well, it's, but... it, yes, it does. But how much it kind of goes into. Uh, the compromise of a politician and yeah well yeah especially with the media mm-hmm. it definitely satires the political media yeah yeah what, what did you think about that aspect because that's a huge aspect of this film i think yeah it, it seems very much like a movie uh lashing out against the injustices that we've been seeing in the world over the past couple of years and um maybe not in a well, yeah, it's pretty direct. Like they, you know, there, there, are... and there is an idiot president played by Bob Odenkirk, right. who basically was a TV star that is now president. So right. I, yeah, it is it's like very obvious. Like yeah. there's no way around it, and the movie really leans into it. And but I think it, you know, it works in the context of of the movie. Um, and it's a story about journalism. It's a story about politics. Yeah. And uh, it's impossible to not really. Uh, address those things uh, address what we've been dealing with as a society for the past two years if you're going to make a movie about those things yeah i just don't know like i'm saying like you know this could use you know an edit of 15 20 minutes yeah i don't even know what you'd you take out of that Uh, there are a couple little things i would recommend but i'm not going to get into the specifics here but uh and who knows you know who who the hell am i to by the way you you looked over at me during the movie at one point you said (laughs) Is that Andy Circus? And I looked at the screen and I was like, no, I don't think that's Andy Circus. And by the way, it is Andy Circus. Okay, yeah. Andy Circus so, looks unlike Andy Circus. Yeah. You could I, I think most people would see this movie that know Andy Circus and not know that it's Andy Circus yeah, in that role. I thought I, I caught a hint of him under some heavy pros, prosthetics, so keep an eye out for Andy Circus in this film. Yeah. Pretty crazy. But I think uh, both of us would highly recommend this film. Yeah, I would recommend it yeah. for sure. Okay, uh, so that that is all the movie content we have for this episode. But we did end up going seeing to see David Copperfield at the MGM. He is doing his shows there for the foreseeable future, um, and I've I've seen him many times over the years. He's um, friendly with me, so I, I've, I've you know I'm a, I'm a fan of his work. Uh, he reads the site, uh, it, whatever. Um, but I've uh, you know I'm a huge fan of magic. We've talked about this on water cooler many 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 times but when we were coming to vegas you were like you know can we see a show can we see a magic show whatever and i was like yeah we'll go see copperfield so what was your what is your experience before you say what you thought of the copperfield show uh what is your experience with copperfield in the past uh i just sort of grew up watching like some of his specials on tv in the 90s that's what i remember is like him as like the guy in the world of magic he was like the mainstream uh magician that i knew of the most and i feel like he was like sort of america's magician <laughs> like he was he was the most famous and, and like yeah. you know uh a great looking guy who had like a fantastic stage presence and and he i just remember like being a kid and watching tv and like have him having him like make huge structures disappear or appear or something like that so i was expecting a show like this in vegas to be on a really massive stage but i was surprised to see that the venue at the mgm grand even something even that like 
a venue at the MGM Grand, I, it, for me, conjures up a massive stage in this yeah. huge room with thousands of seats. It was a relatively small venue, so that was surprising and really nice because a lot of what actually happened in the show was him leaving the stage and sort of doing stuff out in the crowd, um, and it, it felt a lot more intimate in that way. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's a very intimate show for what you get. I think, I mean, most Vegas shows are like over 100, so I think you're, you're paying for that too. Yeah. Um, it's not on the scale of, like, I think if you go to, like, um, any of the Cirque shows, those are more, like, arena-sized. Right. Mean, you know, much yeah, bigger. Yeah, and that's what I was expecting here. But this is something uh, a little bit smaller, a little bit more intimate. And the storytelling across the show sort of reflected that, too. I feel like the the big through line here is about this sort of relationship that, that Copperfield had with his father. And to me, certain moments throughout the show... Because it's it's more than just illusions or tricks here and there. It's it's like a it's all connected by this, this yeah. ongoing story. And to me, the the relationship between him and his father, I don't even know if it's true or not, or if it's all made up entirely for the show. But it doesn't matter because he sells it out there on stage, and and it got like really emotional toward yeah. the end. It reminded me a lot of like Field of Dreams or something, the end of that movie where Kevin Costner like reunites with his dad. It's like this really moving moment, and obviously the the magic was incredible. The you know at one point he like made a, a giant car appear out of seemingly nowhere on stage and it's like yeah. unbelievable just you know sitting there and i don't know nearly as much about magic as you do i'm just sort of a fan from the outside perspective so i'm sure you're looking at this from like a little bit more of a technical angle than yeah. i am like you know but just you, even though i know world. how some of the stuff works and is done the spectacle that he creates and the the production design the 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 production as a whole like he has yeah. like these cameramen running around getting you can tell that everything's like down like i don't know it's just so perfectly done like the just everything yeah i um, I, I felt like i was in the presence of a legend and i was like i'm so glad that i was yeah. able to see something like this in person so I, I would i mean if anybody is ever in the vegas area and copperfield has a show and you have the chance to go i mean do whatever it takes because it's like <laughs> it's it's unbelievable the stuff that that is there and i don't know how to say yeah, that yeah, on it, a podcast it, without it sounding lame like oh wow it was so yeah. cool but it just what you know it's 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 my job was on the floor and it's hard to like review a magic show because you don't want to review like you don't want to talk about what you necessarily saw because yeah. magic i think as a medium relies so much on surprise yeah and but if I told you the top three biggest things that happen in the show, you probably wouldn't believe me because they sound ridiculous and it sounds too big to happen in yeah. like the small theater. But yeah. there, there's some really holy shit, yeah, like moments during during the show that are just like I felt like a kid, you know, yeah. like it was it, it immediately takes you back to a place where you are coming at it from this place of innocence, like I am being wowed because the rules of the world as I know it are no longer apply in this scenario. And this man is the one who's manipulating that in front of my very eyes to, to make it that way. It's like, he's, I mean, <laughs> I don't know, yeah. it's, it's incredible. One of the things I liked about watching Copperfield as a kid is he seems so heavily influenced. Magic is kind of insular and magicians kind of just steal everybody, each other's tricks and do variations on stuff. And Copperfield didn't seem to be as inspired by other magicians, but inspired by cinema. Mm -hmm. And early stuff he did, like, you know, he did this 
thing where he was like trapped and uh, he had to escape before a t- like a laser beam hit him, and it was like so cl- clearly designed uh, to emulate like the Bond mm-hmm. movies. And every special would have things that were so uh, cinematic, and even like you know he escaped from this building that was going to get Im- imploded. And the whole thing's presented in this one single steady cam shot that I think was shot by the the same guy that did the steady cam shots in Scor- the Scorsese movie. Oh, wow. So like he's so heavily inspired by that and this show, the last third of the show, presents this uh almost like a magical fantasy of a story mm-hmm. that is kind of like inspired by like Spielberg's E. T. I would say. Yeah. Um, not to give too much away. And uh it's Unlike any magic show I've seen or probably will see, and I think that's what's cool about it to me. Yeah, and he's, he like incorporates like actual movie stuff into the set, not only in like the yeah. technology of it, but there's like home movies, you know, like that, and there's like a, a film projector and stuff like that. So it's it's very like tactile in that way too. Yeah, and another cool thing is he finds ways to innovate. Like the stuff happens on your body. There's some interactive stuff that happens on you. It happens on your phone. It's not just happening up up on stage. It's not even just happening in the audience. It's like very. Uh, per- it feels personal, and I'm like every time the thing I was most blown away by was every time I would think that I kind of figured out maybe <laughs> how he could have done something like that. That that stuff, that stuff with the phone or the stuff on your body, like you're talking about, he would then do something else that completely blew my hypothesis yeah. out of the water and and like disproved it instantly. Yeah. So it's like he's constantly taking things one step farther and and. Uh, shutting down any theories that you have and just like forcing you back into this place of innocence again this place of like I am going to make you watch this and not know how this is done and and it's uh, it's incredible he's such a great showman so it just um, I, I was I was blown away the whole time the other thing that amazes me about him is he's um, you know he, he's later in his career he's a billionaire he's like one of the he's the richest magician uh, like ever um, he owns a set of islands in the Bahamas. Um, he could retire now. He could have retired 20 years ago. And yeah. Been fine for the. He could have retired 30 years ago. But he, like, in the last five years, a lot of what you saw in that show was stuff that he's created in the last five years. And he's on kind of this creative kick of, like, creating these th- this whole new show. And not only that, is he pushing his, crea- pushing his creativity forward but he you know the night we saw him he was performing two two shows that night on weekends i think he does three or four i i saw him once on like thanksgiving and i think he did four shows that night and like he does a meet and greet after after each show so he performs for that like hour and a half two hours then he does the meet and greet for half an hour and then he goes right back up to, yeah. to performing and this is a guy that's like a billionaire and yeah. he doesn't need to be running around on a stage uh giving you his all but like it's really inspiring to see that he still cares that much certainly so anyways uh you can see his show at the mgm and he also i think performs like five or six weeks in a row and then takes a week off which is also insane yeah (laughs) i I, I don't get it i I don't like that that island must cost a lot of money (laughs) it's insane okay anyways that brings us to the end of today's 
episode. And I think the end of all of our Cin- CinemaCon coverage. Is that right? Do we have anything else left? I think I think that's it from Cin- CinemaCon, right? I think I think that is it. Um, you know, in, in that sense, uh, let's recap here. What, what did you think of CinemaCon after your, your whole experience? Was it what you thought it was going to be? Um, it was a lot more intense than I thought it was going to be. There's so much footage shown from all these different studios. Um, and... There's a lot going on here. Uh, the, you know, it, it's very theater-based, as as you. It's would a lot expect. of uh, actors and filmmakers coming on stage and being like, "We love the cinematic yes. theatrical like, experience. We've made this movie specifically to go in your theaters." It's very like sort of pandering in yeah. that way, but but I feel like that's the purpose of this thing. Um, it was it was a trip, man. Like, uh, you know, this is my first time in Vegas in like seven or so years, yeah. and um, not that we saw Vegas, we saw our hotel, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the walk across the street. Yeah, exactly. Other. Um, but yeah, I think it was uh, it was certainly interesting to to sort of be on the theater side and and see what they're seeing and and sort of um, yeah, it's it's always interesting to get a new perspective, you know. And and having I think that will enhance the way that I look at at Hollywood in general. And I feel like anybody who's been following our coverage can sort of take those same lessons and, and sort of uh, look at yeah. things through that same lens if they want to. Well, I hope everybody listening out there has gotten something from our coverage because uh, g- getting a peek at the next year plus in movies is n- not an easy feat to uh, not only, you know, watch all these presentations, but be able to recap them. Not, I'm not saying that we're doing like hard work or anything. Yeah, big ups but, to the the slash film yeah. staff who was writing tons of stuff on the site. So please, we're, we're sending them our misspelled and uh, notes that <laughs> hurriedly uh, taken. Yeah, yeah, and they were turning it into content that people, you know, uh, hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of people read on the site. So uh, they, they they are they, they are turned, the true heroes of yeah, CinemaCon 2019. They are the true heroes. Okay, so that brings us to the end of the podcast. You can read all our CinemaCon coverage on SlashFilm.com. You can find my work. You can find me at SlashFilm on all social media. You can find you where? Uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Ben Pears. And my writing, of course, is at SlashFilm.com. Yeah, this podcast, SlashFilm Daily, is published every weekday. And sometimes, as was this week, multiple times a day on SlashFilm.com and your favorite podcast apps please feel free to send us your feedback questions comments concerns to us at peter at slashfilm.com and please head on over to our itunes page give us a five-star review tell your friends spread the word and we will see you tomorrow